0: Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We have already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. Successfully
1: Unemployed, your place for freedom.
0: All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit your J-O-B, your just overbroke job, by having investments, by being an entrepreneur, having side hustles, and literally doing anything else to make money than working a just overbroke job, working for somebody else. Now, when you think about it, if you were working for somebody else, you're getting a paycheck. As you get a paycheck, you are going to be paying taxes on that. Now, if you calculate all the taxes that you will be paying in your life, you have, you have property taxes, you have income taxes, you have sales tax, you have to register your car, you have taxes on your cell phone, you have taxes if you have a dog, even to get a, you know to go fishing, you have to get taxed on that. There's taxes on everything. Even if you are when, remember, it's 100% of the chance, fact that you're going to die, when you die, you get taxed as well. It's so horrible. There's always these taxes. Now, if you add up all that sort of stuff, if you work a job, if you're working as a regular employee, you're gonna be almost 50% of your money taken away to taxes. Doesn't that just sound depressing? 50% of your money. Now, calculate that in a, or think of that in terms of a calendar. If you're gonna work from January all the way to December, that's 12 months. Well, half of those months, you are working to pay the government. So from January all the way to June, you're working just to pay your taxes. Then from June on or July to December, that's when you're finally making money in order to pay your rent, pay your cell phone bill, basically pay everything. And so you're living on a half your income. So think about that. If you could figure out a way to not work at J-O-B, and have businesses, you're going to be a lower tax bracket. It's the same laws. You just need to use it in your favor. Now, what I love is I love using passive income. And so I have rental properties. I literally don't work. I work. Well, I do work. I work 30 minutes a month, not a day, not a week, 30 minutes a month. All I do is I take my statements from my property managers, make sure they're not stealing from me, make sure everything's going fine and then I'm done. That way, the rest of the month, I could do whatever I want. So 30 minutes a month to go into that. Now, there are so many other ways, and that's why we have this podcast, Successfully Unemployed Podcast, because there's so many other ways to not work that J-O-B. And I also want to get you down the path of having passive income, because I love passive income. And I want to give you my best-selling book, How to Quit Your Job with Passive Income, for free, completely for free. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash free book, successfullyunemployed.co forward slash free book. And I will give you that free book right away. I want it's gonna be a downloadable PDF. You can start reading, implementing. I'll even give you the 10 best strategies right now to get passive income. And passive income is you work one time and then you do not work again after that and you continually get Paid. So instead of trading an hour for a dollar, you're trading one hour for dollars over and over and over again for the rest of your life. That's the ultimate goal, is getting passive income. So go get that book, my best selling book, successfullyunemployed.co forward slash free book. Now today I am super excited to have a fantastic guest on this show. Just imagine if you were to work a job and not get paid. Would you continue to do that? Would you continually work a job and not get paid? No, probably not. Well, today we're going to be talking all about that and how you can make a lot of money doing that. Well, welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. I am super excited to have you here. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to show you how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, and not work for somebody else again, but have businesses, be an entrepreneur, start side hustles and do everything possible. And I'm super excited to have my guest on. I recently met him. We were on a a three or four day skiing trip. It was super fantastic in Tahoe. In fact, if you're watching this on YouTube, you could kind of still see my goggle tan line. Like right above is it's still red. It's kind of going away, but we skied together and we had such a blast. I got to know him very, very well. And I thought his story is fantastic. Everybody needs to hear it. This is Cody Berman from The Fi Show, or The Fi Show, the podcast, where he talks about financial independence. Cody, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Yeah, I'm pumped to come on, man. And like you said, we had a great time meeting each other in Tahoe. I know we'd maybe shaken hands at FinCon before, but we really got to talk a lot in the ski lifts, shredding down the mountain together. I'm excited to dive into what we're talking about today. I was
0: super excited that you're a snowboarder, I'm a skier, and we were able to ride together because it's... When you find people, especially um, you know, random groups of people, some people are just learning, but you you were able to, sh- you were shredding. I mean, you were tearing it up <laughs> and it was a blast being able to ride with you.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. My legs were definitely pounding the next day or two after. <laughs> I'm sure yours were too, but it was a ton of fun.
0: Yeah. Now, man, Cody, so I wanted to bring you on because you have, uh, I mean, you're literally 23 right now,
1: correct? 24 just on my birthday after we last met. <laughs> Happy birthday, man. 20. Thank you.
0: <laughs> but you on top of that, you quit you're almost you were 21, almost 22 or just turned 22, but you literally will never work a job again because you've found how to make money outside of working a job. I mean, you have so many businesses, but let's get to how do you make money to provide for yourself, you know, provide for, provide for your expenses we're, without working that job?
1: Yeah, I know we'll talk about all my side hustles and I'll just do them in chronog- chronological order of how I make money. So the first one I started was a disc golf business, still running that to this day. It's slowed down recently, but it still brings in a little bit of income every month. Also have a blog and podcast, as you mentioned before, The Fi Show, both in the financial independent space. So I make money through sponsorships, through affiliates, through... So I've done some freelancing and through networking through those platforms. Also have three online courses that I co-founded with my friend julie and then i am running a personal finance summit called the financial freedom summit with two of my good friends grant and pt this may i think that's all the ways i make money other than all the little random side hustles i love i love trying new ones like the job spotter app where you like take pictures of help wanted signs i've done uber eats on my bicycle before so i just love making money in a bunch of different ways but those are like my main five
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some people normally have made one way and they don't have five, but you figured out that there's so many ways. And this is just, those are five of hundreds of ways to make money, but they're brilliant ways and they fit your personality. And I love how you you're already like you're 24 years old when it, with the time we talked, you were 23 and you were already having a big conference where you're having 1000 to 2000 people coming to a conference where you're going to be working with them, uh, making a, this huge, huge business and you're work, networking with people. Now, before we get to that, which we're going to jump into all that great stuff. And like I said, in the intro, how you actually work, not for money, but you work to network, you work for somebody else to learn to get yourself better. But before you did all that you went to college. Now you had some jobs and all that sort of stuff. But take us back show us how you're just a normal person that eventually found a way to be extraordinary by not working that JLB Talk to us about what you did before and then letting leading up to now where you're successfully unemployed.
1: Sure. So it's a little bit different because my transition point happened in college. So I wasn't like a normal person working a JLB like you're talking about, but I can literally point back to one point in time, but I will, I'll rewind a little bit just to talk about my childhood for a second. So I grew up in a household that was super frugal. Like my mom was like cutting coupons, which is silly. It seems absolutely ridiculous to me now, but like I was just in a household where we'd always look to cut corners, find the best deal, things like that. So I had that savings mentality ingrained in me. I knew that saving money and I kind of knew the power of compound interest. My dad had shown me that via the bank of dad from age zero to age 10. So if I put in $20 that I got from grandma for my birthday, he actually doubled it. So it would become 40 the next day. And that was only until age 10 because that's when I got my first side hustle. We can talk about that in a second. But that really taught me the power of compound interest. And so it was hardwired in my brain. Like if you save money, it can make you more money in the future. So I kind of had that whole mindset going for me through high school. I was saving like 95% of my income. I would never want to spend money on stuff. I would have fun. Don't get me wrong. I would have fun, hanging out with friends. But I would just do it in the most frugal way possible sophomore year of college so i'm going through i really was just like addicted to money i went to school for finance and economics i wanted to make as much money as i possibly could that was literally the only reason why i chose finance dustin was cuz i wanted to make a ton of money and i wanted to be like an investment banker i wanted to make the six figures I, I know friends that were making 150k out of school with their bonus package i'm like holy crap like i want that life that seems sweet the really not sweet part about that is that you work 100 to 110 hours every single week and So when I was 19, my mom handed me the four hour work week, and this is a book by Tim Ferriss. And the one biggest takeaway I had from that book was that time does not have to be linearly associated with money, meaning you don't have to work 40 hours in some job to get some paycheck for X amount of dollars. You could instead work those 40 hours building some type of businesses. And while the ROI or return on investment wouldn't be huge from the start, later on, you could reap huge benefits from those efforts early on. So that's something that like really, really stuck with me. I was like addicted. I'm like, I have to start a side hustle. I have to start a business. I don't want to be working for the man. I don't want to be trading my time. Time is so important. And ever since that transition point at 19, I fell into the financial independence hole and it has been all maximizing my time ever since.
0: Man, maximizing (laughs) your time. you're, You're absolutely right because it's absolutely not necessary to make your time and money linear, like you work one hour, you get paid for that one hour, you can do so many things to make sure that you don't do that like passive income, or creating bigger businesses where you impact a lot of people at one time, like the conference that you're going to be having coming up this huge event, where you're bringing 1000 plus people to an event, you work one time in that, that, um, you know, hopefully, obviously you're doing a lot of work the entire year, (laughs) but you have one event helping a lot of people and you make a lot of money. So I love that aspect that you realized at a very early age, like a very, very young age that it's so much better not to work one hour and get paid for that one hour. Now from that, I remember as we were talking, there was something, we're going to jump a little ahead to you making a disc golf. That's just fun that you made a disc golf company, like making discs and that, you know, disc golf is basically for nobody. If you don't know what this is, think of regular golf, but instead you're throwing, instead of a uh, hitting a golf ball, you're throwing a Frisbee type disc. It's basically a plastic disc, heavier. You could throw it farther curve it and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I played disc golf, but what's also interesting, Cody and I, we have a lot of similarities. I created something similar. I, I started a manufacturing company where I was creating long boards or skateboards, big, long skateboards, kind of simulating a surfboard. I created that when I think I was like 20, 21 ish. And I started, I was, you know, peddling them door to door, like going, selling them on eBay, going to big shops and trying to sell them. So that was a lot of fun. Now talk to us about going from Creating, uh, manufacturing something to now doing something where you're making money online. You have courses, you have your FI show. Talk to us about that process of going from manufacturing to now something else.
1: Yeah. So this is perfect in chronological order. We're not jumping ahead at all. So immediately after the four hour work week, when I'm thinking like I need businesses, I started to just think of business ideas. And I started with a tutoring business. That failed miserably because I didn't know what I was doing. I tried to do a specialty clothing business. That failed miserably. I was on the phone. Wait, 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 wait,
0: wait. You did a specialty clothing (laughs) business too? I love it. That is awesome.
1: (laughs) I didn't make any money from it. I was on the phone with manufacturers from Alibaba. That's like basically like the Mecca if you want to create anything. It's located in China. And I was like, okay, I'm in way over my head. They wanted way more money than I had (laughs) as a 19 year old kid. The third one I stumbled on though, because like we had mentioned, I've been playing disc golf since I was eight years old. My uncle owns a course and I saw a gap in the market. It was a lot of older folk who really weren't taking advantage of social media and online and things like that. So I was like, okay, maybe I can do something with this. So I teamed up with my business partner, Jim, because he had all the skills that I lacked like mechanical engineering and all the technical stuff. And I knew I had the business and marketing and finance portion of the equation And from there, we built Arsenal Discs, my disc golf company. And that was when I was 19 that happened and been running it ever since. And I guess the biggest lessons I've learned, if I could go back in time, I would have been like, Cody, you're such an idiot. You literally did everything wrong. But the mistakes and the failures that I had from that company have positioned me so well to make money online in these future businesses. And the reason why I transitioned, honestly, from manufacturing physical products to a digital business is it's way less overhead. Like you're not dealing with customer returns. You're not dealing with someone saying, oh, I didn't get this thing in time. Like if you make an online course, someone clicks by and they have it. It's so much easier than delivering them a custom t-shirt or a custom disc in my case. Like I just was sick of physical products. (laughs)
0: i i completely agree so i went into i had a retail establishment i actually had a convenience store and a pizzeria and i had employees and i had to develop inventory processes and all that sort of stuff it was so much work (laughs) oh my goodness i my hats off to people who actually continually do that and then make it a big to be a big business and then you're depending on new customers coming in the door or repeat customers it was It's just really rough. Like you're in one static location, but obviously disc golf, you can ship them and all that sort of stuff. Now, going transitioning now into the online space. Talk to us about that process.
1: Yeah, so I honestly had no intent of moving into the online space. I went to an event. I was already in the whole financial independence community, like I mentioned. Discovered that 19, jumped down the rabbit hole, all the blogs. And I went to Camp Fi Southeast. Now, basically, for people who don't know what that is, it's like a retreat for nerds who are obsessed with financial independence there was like 65 people there and i met like all my online idols like i'd met jd roth of get rich slowly who i'd been reading i met uh brad and jonathan from choose fi and all these other awesome people and i'm like wow these are real people actually doing this stuff and they had encouraged me i was 21 at the time and they're like holy crap cody like you're the youngest person here you're killing it you already have all this ideology you're starting from a really awesome age they're like you gotta start a blog you gotta start a podcast And honestly, that was the catalyst. It wasn't until a few months later when I was really bored in Australia because I went and joined my girlfriend while she was studying abroad and I was just living abroad. So I didn't have anything to do while she was in class. So that's when my blog started and my podcast started several months later. So that honestly is how I kind of just jumped into this whole online world.
0: So there are so many similarities between (laughs) you and I. Um, so I, I'm absolutely frugal. Um, my, my parents helped me to be frugal, absolutely frugal. I love traveling. I've started many, many, many businesses and it, it's so much fun seeing how, because you have money coming in, you're able to do these things. And we'll definitely jump into the, the, um, the traveling aspect in a little bit. So then now was it the, the fi show? Is that your main website? Do you have another
1: website that's outside the, the fi show? That's your blog. So the blog that started was called Fly to Fi, and it was about hitting financial independence as fast as possible. Because at that point, I was like, I'm going to hit financial independence in five years or less. That was like my ultimate goal. And I was going to show other people how I was doing it and how they could replicate the process. So that was the first thing it was Fly to Fi. <laughs> fly to Fly. Do you still have that? I still do. Yeah. I still make some money from it too, from affiliates <laughs> and some sponsorship stuff. <laughs> I love
0: it. Awesome. And then Then you started the podcast, the FI show, which is, if you don't know what FI means, financial independence. And what's what's interesting, everybody in this space, like you and I, we know what FI means. We know what FIRE means because we try to make it a popular buzz. But anybody, like if I go to the grocery store, I I would say, just pick up at least 100 people and ask 100 people, what does FIRE mean in like financial independence? Like, do you guys know what that means? Literally every single one of them like, no, I have no No. clue what that (laughs) (laughs) means. So you started the uh the Fi show and you also partnered and have a partner with that too, correct?
1: Yeah, and that's actually interesting. I don't even think I've shared this with you. So originally when we launched talking about fire, the podcast was called Fire Below Zero. And I had a different co-host named TJ. And so this is just like a lesson learned. Like we did 10 episodes together. It was too much for him to handle and I'm sure we're going to talk about networking and partnering. Like I love partnering and having people fill in my skill gaps, and TJ just didn't work out. He It was a little too much for him. He didn't have time with his family. His wife was always pissed when he'd be recording with me, and so he fell off after episode 10, and then I scooped up my new awesome co-host, Justin, and that's when it transitioned to the Fi Show, and we've been running that ever since together. That's cool. So (laughs) you have...
0: You have the disc golf company where you have a partner who is the, more the mechanical engineer yep. that, that, that designs that. Now you have the Fi Show where you have a partner there. Now talk to us about the courses and the, the things that you also do with another partner.
1: Yeah. So I have three online courses with, if you guys listen to podcasts, I give her a shout out, Julie from Fire Drill Podcast. And so we teamed up and I really saw her as someone. I'm like, this is someone who gets stuff done. She's super type A. She seems like she's really calculated in all her decisions. I was like, I want to work with her and reached out. And I was like, Hey, let's do something together. And after a few months of brainstorming, we landed on online courses and we were like, okay, what can we do? And we thought of things that we had done to make money in the past. So for myself, I had done a good bit of freelancing, I spearheaded the freelance toolkit course she had done a lot on Etsy making Etsy printables and selling those so she kind of spearheaded the Etsy printables course which I have actually gotten pretty addicted to as of late because I've been making good money on Etsy and then we both kind of uh, teamed up for our blogging for profit course so we have those three courses running that's how that came into fruition and that's been a ton of fun and another huge learning process in itself That is so awesome. And I remember as we're
0: skiing, we're we're literally on the slopes, (laughs) you pull out your phone and it's maybe like 10 o'clock in the morning. You look at your phone and say, huh, just made another $150 today so far from my <laughs> yeah. Etsy printable course. Or no, no, it wasn't the course. It was, it was the shop. Yeah. The shop. Like you created your, uh, okay, so when we were recording this, was um, after Valentine's Day, but when we were hanging out, it was leading up to Valentine's Day and you created some printables like love coupons and you were selling them on Etsy. So you're basically, you're buying into your own course, which is. Make money on Etsy. You did it. You were making like $100, $200 (laughs) every single day. I was like, dude, you're buying (laughs) beers afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) You keep bragging about this. I I mean...
1: (laughs) It was awesome, man. And never would I ever have thought that I'd be selling printables on Etsy. Like I thought Etsy was only for girls and I made all these Valentine's day stuff. And like you said, yeah, I was making like a hundred or 200 bucks a day for four days in a row. (laughs) I am
0: so taking that course. I just take that course so I can just put that out. So you have three partners so far. Now you have, okay, the disc golf company, and you mm-hmm. also have the Fi Show. You also mm-hmm. have this these courses. Now, it seems like you're teaming up with people that fit your, that, that, sorry, that don't fit your own personality, your own like your skill set. You You find people that are different than you that bring a different skill level. Now, I'll tell you, how I am. So I, when I was your age, um, I, I'm definitely older now. I'm 40 now. But when I was your age, I partnered up a few times and I got burnt probably because I just said, hey, you're a nice guy. Let's just start. <laughs> I wasn't smart like you. I thought, hey, this person's number one, can get it done. Number two, driven. And number three, like our personalities and our skill sets, uh, they, they com- they're they uh, come compatible. Like Not compatible. That's not the right word. Um, uh, they offset each other. Where, where I'm good, you're bad and vice versa, which is really, really good. I got burned really quickly about Partnership. So I will plus I'm also blessed to be at a point where I will never need another partner unless I really want one. But um you did you're doing it the right way. You're saying this person has a good skill set that complements me. Let's start working together. Now, from there, talk to me about because I love the story of how you started working with, like you said, Grant and PT. And this is when I led up to the show opening. I said, imagine working and not getting paid money. That is unthinkable for anybody who's 21, 22, or 23 years (laughs) old. Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah. So I'll just give you the story of like working with Grant because I think it's a pretty good story and a good lesson to tell people. But I'll preface this with the only reason why I could take these leaps was because I had a massive savings rate while I was working in my corporate banking job for the extended seven months I was there, <laughs> I I had saved up 35 grand because I was literally saving 90% of my income. Like I wasn't spending anything. I was being super, super cheap because I knew I wanted to quit my job. So I knew if I had that cash cushion, I'd be able to do this. But let's fast forward. So it's FinCon 2018. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with FinCon. It's a conference for personal finance influencers, YouTubers, podcasters, bloggers. And I knew that this guy Grant was going to be there. And I saw him in the hall a couple times. I knew his story. It was like millionaire by 30. He had accumulated 1.25 million dollars by running Google Ads and now he had the successful blog and all this cool stuff and I'm like, this is someone who I can learn a lot from. He's not that many years in front of me. I was 22 at the time. I was like, this guy's eight years ahead of me, and he knows a hell of a lot more than I do. So I want to just kind of absorb and work with him. So I talked. We had an awesome conversation. We were both probably kind of drunk at the FinCon closing party. We talked for like two hours, though. He thought the stuff I was doing was cool. I obviously thought the stuff he was doing was cool. I was so pumped up. I sent him an email the next day. I'm like, hey, man, awesome conversation. I'd love to work with you in any capacity. Like, Let me know. I want to help out. I want to learn from you. crickets. (laughs) crickets. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't, even, he didn't even open the email. Cause I have this software that shows like whether or not people are opening my emails. He didn't even open it. And I was like, Oh, great. Like he just was playing that. He liked me. He doesn't actually want to like work with me and think I'm cool or anything like that. So I follow up again, probably like five days later. And he still doesn't answer, not doesn't answer wait, wait. again. So, so you sent two, but what was the content of those emails? The content of the first one was, Hey man, awesome meeting you. Like, I'm really inspired by you. I'd love to work with you in any capacity. Like, just let me know how I can help out. It was very, like, I was just offering in my services because honestly, I knew that anything that this guy could give me, any little nugget of information was going to massively propel my journey as an entrepreneur and in my own financial independence journey. So I just wanted to, like, get anything. So- the next email it was, I it was very similar. I'm like, hey, like I'll literally do anything. Just like give me a task, I'll I'll ah. do it for you. Just I want to learn from you. I want to learn how to run ads. I want to learn it. how to build a brand. I want to learn how to build a business. Just like let me know some of your secrets. I, I'd really love to help you out. And you're not saying give me a job. You're saying no. I just <laughs> that's
0: awesome. Yeah,
1: give me a give me a task and I'll do it for you. Like what's something that's a pain in the butt that you want me to do for you? I'll do it. I just want in in return, I just want you to tell me some of the things you're doing that are working out. And yeah, I didn't answer that one either. <laughs> so the, thir- the third one, finally, I, it was a, it was a much longer email. I actually looked back at my emails to him uh, in preparation because I know we're going to be talking about this. And the third one, I know he had um, his book coming out and I was like, Hey, I know you are probably so inundated. You probably aren't checking your email. You have this book coming out like, hey, let me know how I can help with this launch process. Like, I know I don't have any experience launching books or anything like that. But I'd love to get the word out and spread whatever I thought I was like, kind of well connected, which I definitely wasn't. (laughs) But I wanted to help him out as much as I could. And he finally answered that third email. And he's like, hey, man, I'd love help launching the book. He's like, I'm also needing help launching my book tour. You in I was like, and it was like a two, two sentence back email, like most busy people send. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. And we started working together. I was doing a bunch of stuff online for him. I did a couple rounds of edits for his book for the final edits, So that was cool. And then he's like, Hey man, I need help on this book tour. Like I'm not going to be able to do it by myself. You want to come with me? And I almost thought he was joking. I was like, this guy's got to be kidding. Like he's going to just bring me on his book tour. We've met maybe three months ago. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Like, you want to come on the book tour with me? And I'm like, hell yeah. So, <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And so I ended up quitting my job even earlier than I thought I was going to, I was planning on staying there for a full year. I quit seven months in and then one month after I quit my job, we hit the road and traveled around 33 States, 15,000 miles and over 80 events on his book tour.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. If Grant would have said, Hey, Dustin, do you want to come with me on, a, on this book tour? And I'm married with four kids. Like, Hey, babe, I'm going to be gone for a couple months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is so awesome. And it took you just reaching out and being okay with the person not responding and being okay with mm-hmm. just a no, but you never know what's going to happen. And then you go on a, was it how many, how many, like 13,000 miles? 15,000 like
1: miles 15,
0: <laughs> yeah. Mile yeah. road trip. So obviously you get to know Grant very, very well. You get to meet his people that are in his network. You get to obviously brainstorm with him. And now you're also working with him. You're not getting paid, right? I'm just going to clarify that.
1: No, but I got paid in ways that were far greater than money. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Okay. So we have, we've already recapped a couple or many businesses that you have. Now let's look at on this trip. You're driving all around the entire country, meeting a lot of great people. And I actually, I'm bummed out. So you guys came into Phoenix area and I, I didn't go. I just either couldn't make it or something, but I didn't, I wasn't able to make it. That would have been fun if we would have met there when you guys were coming around. But there was one specific time that you were in, I think, Dallas and you were with, with Grant and then you met PT or uh, Philip Taylor, who is the founder of FinCon. Talk to us about that process and then starting a whole brand new company now where you're a third owner of this new company.
1: Yeah, so actually, it was kind of a mismatched timeline here. So we didn't even have the idea of the conference when we were in Dallas with PT. We were just meeting up it was one of our regular book tour locations. There was about twenty Finn Connors there. Super fun. Met up at a brewery, and we hung out. Like we we actually stayed at PT's house. He was super kind to let us stay over, and that was also an awesome part of the book tour was meeting all these different people and people just letting us crash in their couches or in their guest rooms or whatever. But it wasn't until we were driving from Calgary down to Montana. It's a 12-hour drive. And so we're just talking the whole time. Obviously, sitting in silence isn't very fun for 12 hours. And we're like, okay. He's like, I have the book. I have a blog. I have a podcast. I have courses. I'm doing all this stuff. How can we take this to the next level? How can we reach the people that I'm not already reaching? And so we're brainstorming. And then finally, we're like a conference. That is the thing we have to do. And so we just thought of an idea and we're like, okay, we're going to do this thing. We're going to name it the financial freedom summit. We're going to have all these different speakers come and we're going to get as many people as we can get to come and just tell them about financial freedom, about financial independence. And hopefully these will be people outside of like the typical people that consume these type of podcasts and these blogs and things. We'll try to get outside of that typical market. And so after we had that idea, we just kind of hit up PT for some advice on like running a conference. Honestly, that was the only reason we hit him up. We had no idea that he'd want to partner. We're like, hey, PT, like, we're starting up this conference. Like, Just to let you know, it's not in competition with FinCon. FinCon is business to business. We are doing strictly business to consumer, but we'd love some tips. Like, Can you just share what, your process, how FinCon works, how we can maybe get a leg up on people who are just starting out a conference that don't have you as a resource? And so we were back and forth with him for a couple of weeks and probably a month in after him, quote unquote, consulting us he's like, you know what, this seems like an awesome opportunity to grow my brand. And it's something that I'm not doing reaching the people instead of just the content creators. And he's like, I'm in. And so since then, I think that was probably May or June, we have been a trio and we've been working together ever since in the summit. So
0: you have (laughs) from not getting paid, working for somebody completely for free, traveling the entire country with him, as well as brainstorming, learning, getting networking, all that sort of stuff. You probably met so many people you probably would never have met or, you know, relatively. But then now you have a big company, like for Successful Unemployed, I would, I think the end goal is to have eventually a conference where we bring every way possible to be, you know, successfully unemployed. I'd love to eventually do that, but that's like many years down the line. Now you've already from like May, June of last year in 2019, now The conference is in May of this year, 2020. And so now you have, from working for free, you're now third partner in a brand new company that's going to eventually be like, right now it's already getting big because you already have people coming in. But imagine five years from now, as you get more and more people getting into the conference, you more get more affiliates, like just everything you, I just blown away working for free to now having an amazing company on top of the other amazing companies that you have. It's just breathtaking to see somebody so young and saying there's another way to do it rather than working at (laughs) J-O-B.
1: Love it, man. And I appreciate it. One thing I do want to clear up just so people are like, how is Cody not bleeding money this whole time? So I didn't get paid, but Grant did pay for all my stuff like food on the on the road tour anything we had to pay for grant paid for that so I just want to clear my name there in case someone's like that's not accurate or whatever because I know people have heard me share this story before but yeah man well, it's, it's been a wild ride <laughs>
0: that's, I mean shoot if somebody's going to work for food I'm like yeah I'll pay for you yeah, come on <laughs> yeah. come with me yeah. we'll, <laughs> especially for three months like you're giving three months of your entire life okay so talk to us about now the idea of partnering and and remember, I'm, a, I'm coming from a place where I didn't have, they were good people. Like the, my partners were good people. Um, love them, still love them. It's just, it wasn't a match. It wasn't really well working out because um, either I was doing all the work or I felt like I was doing all the work, um, and, you know, basically getting half the profits or whatever it might be. Um, talk to us about how to find the right people that fit our, either our personality or match where I'm weak, they could be strong.
1: Yeah. So going back to what you were saying when you were making bad partner decisions early on, like that's kind of one of my first feelers is like, could I drink a beer with this person? Do I actually enjoy their company and hanging out with them? Because if I don't, even if they're the most talented person ever, I do not want a business with you. <laughs> like that is not I a person that. I want I to be interacting with. If, if I can't sit down and have a beer with you on a Friday, like I don't want a business with you. Next, usually the people I work with, I am vetting heavily, like in the background without them knowing, <laughs> for usually a couple months, like stalking them, seeing what they're doing, making sure that this is someone I really want to work with. Like what's the quality of their work? Are they someone who's honest? Are they someone who's oh it looks like my Can you still see me, Dustin? I can. Okay. I, I can- okay. Sorry, my screen went, like, went black for a second. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um making sure there's someone that I want to work with and okay then after i do that whole process after there's someone i want to have a beer with there's someone who i can tell they have a solid process then i see okay is this someone who can fill in my skill gaps and that was really tough for me from the start because i'm a very proud person very type a and i never i hate admitting that someone's better than me at something and i hate being worse at something than other people i'm like i'm super competitive but that has been like an instrumental thing so with that first business the disc golf company I have no idea how to create a CAD file or computer aided design. I have zero clue. And I don't want to learn that at all. I don't have SolidWorks experience or anything like that. So I partnered with Jim who is a, a really good at that. He makes missiles for Lockheed Martin. So I was like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing again, going to the proof in the pudding. He, this guy, he has his stuff together. I knew him actually from high school and middle school. So he was a good guy. I I'd, I'd hang out with him, have a beer, check, check uh, the podcast. The first guy, even TJ, I would hang out with him and have a beer. I I loved what he was doing with his blog. He just didn't quite have the time for it. That, That one didn't work out, but it wasn't like bad blood or anything like that. Justin, same thing. I met him at a similar event, like a ski con at a different Camp Fi. We were hanging out and vibing, and he seemed like a really awesome guy. He was a really good conversationalist. He could always fill in gaps. And so I really wanted someone who could do that in the podcast. Because I feel like I could have such a more powerful podcast if it wasn't just my singular mind asking questions. If i could to have someone with a different socioeconomic background who is from a different part of the country who thinks about things differently than me. So that's why I teamed up with Justin on that. And he handles like the social media, all that stuff, graphic design. And I do like the editing and most of the business side of the podcast. So that relationship works out great too. And I alluded to this earlier, but Julie, I had seen the stuff she was doing with her podcast. I saw the stuff she was doing with her blog very perfectionist, very type A, got stuff done on time. And I was like, that's someone I really want to work with. Like, I love working with high performers like Grant. And that's why I chose her. And I reached out. It was, I didn't choose her. We kind of chose each other, but I reached out and wanted to work, wanted to work with her. I told her like, Hey, I know you have a bigger audience than I do. I know you have these things, but I have these things. Like I can get stuff done. I can work really hard. I can work 16 hour days if I have to, I can stay up till 3am on a course launch. Like I can do all this stuff that will make our business successful. And obviously we talked about Grant. Like I I chose him. I knew his story. He seemed like a really genuine guy from online. And then when I met him in person, he was the same exact person. And I love when someone is the same as online as they are in person. So I was like, this is a no-brainer. I'm I'm definitely gonna do this with Grant. And PT I've known for several years. And yeah, since partnering with him, he's he's just the same old guy. He's PT at FinCon, he's PT at home, he's PT at the bar. Like no matter where he is, he's the same exact guy. Super cool guy to work with. Obviously, he had the proof in the pudding with 10 years of FinCon success. So that was a no-brainer teaming up with him there. But yeah, I, I always just try to fill my skill gaps. If I there's something I don't know how to do or something I do know how to do but not as well as someone else, that's someone I would love to partner with on something.
0: That's fantastic. Now, there's also one other – it's not necessarily – a, like a, a full blown business, but it's, it's also like a business is where you make money that you told me about. We were right on the slopes and all of a sudden you say, you know what? I'm also, I'm also um, a hard money lender. Basically I'm, oh, I'm about getting that. money <laughs> out and I'm making money talk because most people listening to this be like, what is hard money? Like, is that like Jimmy the wolf that gives me money? And if I don't pay him back, he's gonna break my kneecaps. Like you don't seem like a knee, kneecap type of breaker type of person, but talk to us about that. About that. Like you saw an opportunity there as well.
1: Yeah. And I totally forgot too. I didn't mention the real estate property that I inherited, that my brother and I inherited. I'll talk about that too. I honestly totally forgot about real estate because it's so passive. Master passive income over here. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So I met this girl. I'll leave her unnamed just for the sake of the podcast, because we probably shouldn't be talking about our deal online with numbers and stuff. But I met this person through actually my cousin and then she came to FinCon last year. We've been super good friends ever since and she does real estate investing in Indianapolis and she was looking for a partner to invest with her. She didn't want to put the capital down and so basically as a hard money lender, I just fronted her the cash. Houses are pretty cheap in Indianapolis so I'm not shelling out like $500,000 or anything for a house but I gave her money for an investment property. We bought it outright in cash and then she has a basically a personal loan to me so I'm acting as the bank to her and anyone, like anyone, can do this. You can, as long as you have good contracts. Make sure you have solid contracts if you're working with people you don't know. But as a hard money lender, basically you're just acting as a bank. So if someone needs hundred thousand dollars for an investment property, you give them hundred thousand dollars. And the cool thing as a hard money lender, as you guys probably know, anyone who's in real estate at all, you could expect mortgage um, insurance uh, interest rates to be like you know three and a half to five percent maybe. With hard money lending, you're getting like 8 to 10% on these deals. So you make a lot more money, but again, it's riskier and you're not a bank. You don't have millions of dollars of capital to expose. Ah, uh, to dispose of, I mean, and yeah, so that's how that kind of came into fruition. She had a really, again, she had a track record. She had already done this with six other properties. she had a she had a history of it, and I was like, I feel really comfortable doing this. We're friends. and so let's let's jump into it. And so every month, I'm gonna receive a little basically an interest stipend from that loan. and then in six months when she flips the house, I will get my loan back.
0: Man. So that's seven businesses. You got your rental property. And I know you're going to eventually be thinking going down the route of getting more properties because like you said, it's so passive. You kind of just, oh yeah, that's right. I have that. I forgot, yeah. (laughs) And then you have potentially the ability to continue doing the lending. If you want to go down that route, if it works out well, then you have somebody that works. And a big thing is you got to be able to trust them if you're lending them money. Because as an investor, there's two things that I, number one, care about. Number one, not losing my money. That's the first thing. I don't want to lose my money. So as best as you can, make me know that I'm not going to lose my money. The second thing is make a good return on my money. Those are two things, not lose it and get a return on my money. And so if you have a good uh, experience with this, hopefully you can keep going. But man, you have so many, I'm going to say, you have so many juggles, or sorry, yeah. so many balls that you're juggling, so many things that you're juggling. How do you make sure you keep it all organized? Or is it just like, Hey, cause I know guys like us, you and I, not a lot of people are like us. Like we have a huge capacity to do a lot of things at one time. Like it's just the way our brains work. Not everybody's like that, but at some point it might be a diminishing returns where you have too many things and there's too much on your plate. Do you hire out? Like what are your thoughts about getting too many things or making sure you're staying in your capacity?
1: Yeah, I definitely hit like a burnout point probably last year. And I was juggling, like I said, like seven or eight different things. I'm like, this is just too much. I wasn't really outsourcing much and I couldn't handle it. And so I either one of two things we did hire out for some of my businesses. We have VAs and stuff now like the courses were taking up a lot of time. We hired VAs and some helpers and some group experts to help out with that with the blog. I definitely slowed down a lot and I used to just spend so much time on random stuff that really didn't have that much of a return like not a high ROI like I'd spend an hour fixing something on my about page and it wasn't like writing it would be like the spacing between like the header and the menu bar and I'm like what like what am I spending so much time on this stuff for. Same with the podcast. I'd be spending so much time on random little things. And I definitely spend a lot of time now. Like I'm super anal about editing and I'm editing out like everything. I know well, we you need about to hire that thing. out. I'm mean, just, I do too.
0: I definitely need to hire that out. But you and I guys like us, number one, we're frugal. Number two, we're high capacity. <laughs> yeah. And number three, we think we could do it. Like, 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 I'll just do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll just like do so it. we need to get past ourselves. Well, yes, absolutely. We, you and I both need to hire that out. So yeah. So you had a burnout. I, I interrupted you, but you had a burnout. Now you have these ideas of so, so much things that are on your plate. How did you get to being burned out?
1: Because I was working like 16, sometimes 18 hour days on all these businesses. So I was like, I need to start building some automation. So that's when I started building like really complex email sequences for multiple businesses. So I don't have to go and like manually do all these email stuff and like hopefully answer all these questions in the FAQs of this thing. And just like in building out systems like that. So systems that if I want to go take two weeks off, like these businesses will still run themselves absolutely fine. I don't have to be the one, you know, posting on all these different social medias. I can use tools that will post on these social medias automatically for me. If I'm like working on Pinterest, I don't have to automatically pin. I can use a service like Tailwind to automatically do that for me. I can hire VAs to answer emails, like all this stuff has just literally reduced my workload by like 50%. So now I only have to work like as many hours as I want to during the day instead of like 16 mandatory hours to get everything done.
0: It's, <laughs> it, it's so much better when you number one, you're employing other people, which is great. You're giving other people ways to provide for themselves. Uh, but for guys like us who constantly are growing and building, like I know that I'm not happy unless I'm building something. And so with Master Passive Income, it got so... like I love teaching. I love coaching. I love showing people how to invest in real estate, but I've already done just about everything other than getting a new coaching client and coaching them. So I can't really build that business anymore. I mean, I probably, probably could, but it started being like, yeah, I'm just mess- fiddling with my about page. It like, it's just, I'm, I'm, I want to do something and that's the only thing I can do right now. That's what comes to my brain. So I decided successfully unemployed and I have other business. I have like like four other businesses going on right now, just like you. I, I, I try not to juggle too many things, but the biggest thing is as I offload things that are just taking up my time that I can offload, my business gets so much better and I'm helping somebody else provide for the family if that's what you know they really enjoy doing. And so when you start to feeling everybody listening... If you start feeling over overloaded, try to start thinking, I know it's hard for, for, especially if you're frugal like us, like, oh my goodness, that's just, man, that's an extra $5 going out to somebody else. Like for me, that's like, that's $5. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Me too, man. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so as you can offload um, as your business, here's my opinion, as your business starts allowing you to offload because you're making some money and you can start offloading it to somebody else. It can help you focus on things that are actually going to make you money and grow the business. Now, uh, Cody, you've done fantastic at building up many, many businesses. What would you say if somebody is listening in and they're like, you know what? I want to do what Cody did. I want to start um, branching out and reaching other people. What should they do to find, to network, to, to reach out to, like, should they just email Tim Ferriss out of nowhere? Hey, Tim, (laughs) I want to come work for you." you. How should we get started networking with people?
1: Yeah, so I actually have emailed Tim Ferriss. He didn't answer though. Um. (laughs) Oh, you did. I love it. It's funny, but I think just like people are scared of reaching out, man. Like that's the thing about most people. Most people don't want to reach out. And I didn't even mention this, but like one of the reasons I'm so comfortable with reaching out was this kid I met my freshman year of college told me you should reach out to three people on LinkedIn every day and try to solve a, start a conversation and set up a phone call with them asking what they do. And I was like, what? Like, are you insane? Like, I'm not going to reach out to three people every day. And I don't know. I just sat on it for a little bit and he asked me if I was doing it. I'm like, no. And I just started doing it. I started reaching out to three people every single day. I'd pick three random people on LinkedIn. Most of the time they wouldn't answer, but one in say four or five would answer and I'd have a 15 minute phone call with them. And like, it just got me comfortable talking to people, asking about them, learning from them. And so now I'm just having like no shame reaching out. Like, Honestly, this on a Tim Ferriss podcast, there was this guy like Derek Sivers, I think his name was. And he said, like, hit me up at the end of the podcast. 99.9% of people are not going to hit this guy up. I sent him an email and he sent me one back and I was pumped about it. So I think like just getting out of your comfort zone, finding these people, obviously you don't want to shoot for too big of a fish. Tim Ferriss isn't going to want to work with you because he has a million people who want to work with him. But if there's someone who's a year ahead, who's five years ahead, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's the max ahead of you in x or y space that you're in like that's a person you should hit up that's a person you should offer some free services to like hey i want to learn from you i'll do x y and z like whatever your skill set might be and i think that's like one of the best ways where you can learn and start to make connections and then the second best thing not going the mentor route but just like just do something even if you suck at it even if you're terrible like i've had so many failures we've been highlighting my successes this whole time but i've had so many projects within these businesses that have failed i've had other businesses that have failed but these failures are literally why I'm so successful today. It's because I know how to fail. I know how to learn from those failures. And I know how to leverage the skills that I gain from those failures to have future successes. So I think those are like the my number one tips for people who just like want to be successful un- unemployed. They want to start a side business. They want to quit the J-O-B, that just over broke job.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I love that, that idea that as you are just reaching out to people, you're getting that muscle of doing that. Like you get get past the fear, you know, after you've emailed or reached out to like maybe 30 people on LinkedIn, it's like no brainer. Oh yeah, here's another one. And you get used to that, which is great. That's that muscle that you get to work on. And I've said this before and if if Warren Buffett ever takes me up on this, I will absolutely do this. I will pay Warren Buffett $10,000 a year or maybe a month. I'll pay him $10,000 for me (laughs) to come work for him because what I would learn just by working for him and the networking and all that sort of stuff, I would literally pay to be there because of we, we need to stop thinking that we work to make money, work to earn money. We want to stop earning money. We want to start making money where it didn't exist before because you started a business and now you're making money. So I love that. Now, what's your thought about conferences, because I know for my business, so Master Passive Income, and I thought, I think I started in like in 2015, 2016, like a tail end of 2015. 2016 is whenever I really started it. And I was just, you know, blogging, I was writing a couple things, not really doing anything, I had no clue what I was doing. I was learning from some podcasts and blogs and stuff like that. And wasn't really doing anything really well. But then I went in 2017 to FinCon, the financial bloggers conference that you and I uh, met at. And from there, I started networking with people. Now I'll pause that idea that I had been going to conferences many, many times before, but it was for my job and I worked for the government. It was horrible. These conferences were horrible. (laughs) The people were great people, like good people in general. I just had no cares about what they were talking about. They were uh, sad to say, just government mentality. Like uh, I'm a doer. And so I just did not fit in there. So I would go to conferences and literally just like go to the session, sit in and then go right back to my room or go do something else. Just not talk to anybody else. And so I almost took that going into my first conference for my business. And then I met one person in one of the sessions. He said, hey, you got to come meet, like sat next to this guy, told him I did real estate. He'll, oh, you do real estate? Yeah, you got to meet my boy. And we walked out. He introduced me to somebody. And that was my first session, the first everything that got me realizing networking is where everything is in. So talk to us about networking at conferences or things like that. Like, should we get out of our shell at conferences, even if we're an introvert?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. The reason why I go to FinCon is not for the sessions because I'm much more of an interactive learner. Like if I sit in someone's session, maybe I'll get one or two nuggets and I'm taking notes on my phone, whatever. I like, I'd rather sit at home with a virtual pass and like write stuff down and implement the strategies people are talking about. The reason why I go to conferences is just like you said for networking. If I can shake a hand with someone, if I can have a beer with someone, if I can talk shop with someone in person, that is so much more of a powerful connection than hitting someone up on Twitter or sending them an email. Well that's an okay alternative if you don't have any other way to communicate with these people. Like That in-person thing is so powerful. And so many of these business ventures have been made from, you know, having that handshake, having that drink, having that conversation, whatever it might be that kind of just loosens you up a little bit. Because you don't know someone over the internet. Like you don't know their intentions if they email you. There might be some scammer or some person who's just like a creep and trying to get close to you. But when you meet someone, in person, you have a really, you have a better gauge of the type of person that they are. And then you can decide, okay, is this the type of person that I want to work with? And hopefully you are the type of person they want to work with. So hundred percent, like local meetups, it doesn't have to be a huge conference. You can go to a local meetup. You can go to a mini event that has like 50 people. Maybe it's a little regional meetup, or you can go to some of these big conferences. There's always someone who knows more stuff than you that can help you in your business, no matter where you are.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And The first year I went to one conference and it was 2017, went to FinCon. I was like, man, that helped my business so much. And so I said, you know what? Next year I'm going to go to two conferences. So that was 2017. 2018, I think I went to, no, I just went to FinCon. I just went. So two years in a row, I went to just one conference. And then 2019, I was like, man, every time I go to a conference, my business get better. And so 2019, I went to like three conferences and now it's 2020. I think going to like four or five conferences. In fact, I'm also doing this. So there's another conference called Social Media Marketing World. At the time we're recording, it's going to happen in like a, two weeks away. I went there last year, and it, the conference was fantastic for people who are not like me. Like if you're social media, love <laughs> you love social media, which I'm not a big fan of, I, I, I'm okay with it, um, but they love that. And I just, I went there to try to learn, but what I did was I also hung around FinCon people, I met, I networked with other people. So that started me going down a path of learning more people or meeting more people and networking. And so this year, instead of paying $1,000 to go to that conference, I'm literally crashing the lobby. Like, I'm just going to go hang out. I'm <laughs> flying to San Diego. I have a friend of mine that I met at networking again. Uh, I met him at FinCon two years ago. We became, an, we're in a mastermind together. I'm like, hey, Mike, I'm going to be in San Diego. Can I come crash at your place? Like, I'm going to sleep on your couch. Like, yeah, come on. And so we're going to be crashing the, uh, the lobby together because the networking is where the, the business is at. That's where the money's at. Because as I talk with somebody and I completely agree, if I'd sit in a session, I might take one or two with maybe one thing away, maybe, yeah, <laughs> and actually, yeah, and apply that. But when I'm sitting down talking to somebody just like you, like I've learned so much just by talking to you, everybody I talk to, I can learn from because I, we're bouncing off ideas. Like, this is what I'm doing. How are you doing it? And what's different? And we help each other out. And so, there's a friend of mine that I met at FinCon. He said that all the best business all the best things for your business happen after 10 p.m at a conference because that's when people are relaxed that's what people are just like hey, it'll help you out blah 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 and you get to know each other better and just like this like you and i were on um skiing i said you know what cody you're an awesome dude i want to have you people need to hear this like everything you're talking about you need to come on the show and so everything like that now from talking about conferences is there any other ideas that you can give us to get out of our shells, get out of our, like, our own comfort zone to now reach out to, um, to start, another, start a business or start with something else? Is there anything else that we should know?
1: And so is this specifically within personal finance or just like business in general?
0: Everything in general.
1: I think another thing that's important is like just creating something and this doesn't have to be like, okay, I'll I'll try to elaborate. So if you have a business and you're thinking of, I don't know, starting a gardening business, I'm just going to step way outside of personal finance, make like a gardening, you know, two page PDF freebie and see if people are willing to disseminate or distribute that who are like big names in that space. I think creating like some kind of free type of thing and then offering it to bigger people than you to give to their list to so their email list or their followers for free is an awesome way to A, gain trust with big influencers because you're giving them free content that they don't want to create and they don't want to pay someone to create. And two, if you already have some kind of business or email opt-in set up, you could get thousands of subscribers in a matter of days doing this type of strategy. So that's one of my like favorite things: is leveraging people who have big audiences, providing them a ton of value. And I'm sure this could be done in literally any segment of the market. Like it doesn't have to be personal finance. Or I'm using a gardening example here, but like whatever niche you're in, there is something that you can create. And I'm just using a PDF because I'm I've done ebooks in the past, but I'm sure there might be something else. But digital is probably the way to go where you can make someone like you who is a big influencer and you can have all of their followers start to like you too because you created this awesome freebie for them. So no, that, that's just a random random tip that came to mind that I've used in my businesses. That's, that's brilliant. And now
0: people might be thinking, man, but then I got to reach out to them. I, then, then I got to email them. <laughs> but you also said at the beginning that you just reached out to, you took that challenge reach out to three people every single day on LinkedIn. Every day. Like you built up that muscle to be able to do that. Now it's like, man, I have this great resource. I'm going to reach out to people. Hey hey, 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 here you go, here you go, which <laughs> is brilliant, man. So Cody, what about traveling? Because you love to travel. At the same time being frugal, I mean, we're, we're frugal travelers, which is great, but I, I love spending my money on travel. I, all my four kids, we love, absolutely love doing that. Um, talk to us about traveling, but then also having businesses that make us money without us actually working in the business.
1: Yeah. Before we go, I'll go into that in one second. One more thing I just want to talk about with networking, just like to reframe people's mindsets. I think people think about networking so wrong. Like people think that if they go to one conference and network, like they're going to be awesome at it. They're going to get all these connections but like if you go and play one basketball game, you're not going to be good at basketball. You have to put in the reps. You have to shoot the free throws. So like just getting that networking muscle flexing every single day will get you so much better. And I don't know why people don't think networking is a skill because it is, but it's just like shooting a basketball. Like you're not going to get better unless you take those reps. So I just want to mention that. Now let's talk about travel. <laughs> I'll
0: pause that because I, yeah, so we'll yeah. talk about travel. I want to add to that because, man, you and I think so much alike. So I completely agree with that. Give somebody else another tip from my perspective. In networking, the best thing you can do is literally not talk about yourself at all. Once, once you get that conversation going, once they, they start asking you questions about you, that's when they give you the freedom. Because remember, you're you're just coming to them and you are starting talking to them my suggestion is literally ask every question as you can about the other person so that they start getting engaged. Once they're engaged in the conversation, then they, they'll either reciprocate or turn away. Like if they don't reciprocate, they'll tell me about you. And they just turn away. That's probably not the right person to continue talking with. You could go with somebody else. So you want to make the conversation when you're networking all about the other person, because it's not just to get them talking, but that just like Cody does, he gets the idea. How can we work together? Like they have this skill set. And if I didn't ask them these questions, I wouldn't even know their skill set and how different they are from me. And then we can work together. So absolutely, don't talk about yourself until it's invited, but get as much information out of them so that they look at, hey, you know this Cody guy? He's a cool dude. Even though they don't realize you were just asking about them. They're just talking about themselves because everybody loves talking about themselves. And so if you get them talking about themselves, they're going to be like, Hey, I like Cody, you know, maybe I'll hang around a little more. So absolutely. Okay, cool. So that was my two sets into that jump into now traveling, talk to us about traveling and having a business that makes us money without us doing the work.
1: Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of traveling. I know we were talking Dustin, when we were hanging out at ski con on the slopes, that I went to South America for pretty much all of December. So like late November into early, uh, into late December, it was like a full month. And obviously I'm running all these businesses, but the Wi-Fi is absolute crap there. (laughs) I didn't want to, I didn't want to be working there. Like I didn't want to be doing stuff. And so I basically put all my businesses on autopilot. So like for the blog, for example, I scheduled out a bunch of posts. I scheduled out social media for the disc golf company. That was easy. I just kind of told Jim, Hey, you got this for this month. (laughs) And he was fine with that. Um, but like for the online courses we made sure that we had all these videos set up that would go out on these certain dates because we do like weekly live Q&As in our private Facebook group for the podcast we made sure like we pre-recorded all our intros outros made sure all the episodes were edited scheduled them to go out on specific dates and the summit, I just kind of took a pause on that. But I mean, as you can see, like all these businesses, they're they're still running fine today. And I went and took an entire month off. And I think people like just don't think in that way. People think that if they're not in there every single day, and while obviously it probably maybe would have been incrementally better if I was in there every single day, not, not like crazily better, but you can take a little time off from your business. It's not a big deal. And once you do have those systems in place, once you have people, oh yeah, and I did have people answering emails for most of those businesses as well. But once you put those systems in place, you have people answering the emails, you have sales funnels, so your stuff sells automatically, you have all your posts scheduled, you have all these things that make your life so much easier, then you can go take that week trip and go skiing in Colorado. Then you can go take that month off and travel Europe. Then you can go take that six months off and go to Southeast Asia. Like the world opens up to you once you can automate your businesses. And that doesn't mean that you're never going to do anything ever again in your businesses. Maybe next time you get back from that six month stint and you build up all the backend stuff and then you can put it on autopilot again. But I think that's just like the most beautiful thing is when you can just click a button, basically, and your businesses start to run themselves.
0: And there's no time in the history of the world that you then right now that it's so easy to start a business, number one, make it automated, number two. But then also, number three, make enough money to be able to travel like you said that I mean, people thinking, man. You know, for a whole month of December being in uh, South America, my goodness, I have my job. I, I don't have vacation time. You know, how am I gonna make money if I don't work? And how am I gonna make sure that everything still goes without me? So, right now, no time in the history of the world has been so easy to do all this stuff. And like you said, with a click of a button. Literally, you you create something and you click a button because technology has made it so, so simple. And I I do that too. We love to travel. So Before I found anything online, I was buying rental properties. And eventually I had enough where I was like, I don't need to work anymore. So I just quit, which is great. And I started traveling. Now, guys like us, it's hard for us just to sit around. Even though traveling, I love traveling, I still need to produce. I still need to do stuff. And so Master Passive Income came along. Then I have a couple other sites, but then I'm successful oh, and employees coming along because it's just fun to be able to do this. Now, I love traveling. Like we went to um, last year, we went four weeks along the East Coast, you know, in your neck of the woods from yeah. Florida I drove <laughs> all the way up to New York City, sightseeing, historical stuff for all the kids, all the homeschooling that we do. You know, it was, it was basically a four week field trip. The year before that, we went to Europe, 11 different countries in six, uh, six week trip. It was fantastic. The year before that was six weeks in Japan because we wanted to, you know, drive You know, fifteen hundred miles around the entire island of Japan. So we have the ability because we have businesses and systems set up to do this. And for everybody listening, if you take what Cody's done and you start implementing it, literally the things that he's walked you through: networking, finding people that fit your skills, finding people that um, can you can work together, work well with. And I agree with you, Cody. If I can hang out with the person, I would be much more willing to do business with somebody in a business partnership. I've worked with people in the past that were horrible to work with. Like, these are not my business partners. The other people like landlords or like I'm leasing an office space or whatever it might be. I'm like, I just don't like this dude. Whatever it is, it might be me, but like we don't get along, I stop. Like if there's, that's a huge red flag. If I don't get along with the person, it's not gonna be a good business partnership, I move on. So everybody listening to this, if you take what Cody's been walking you through, you can absolutely be here. Where even if you just have one, of these seven businesses that Cody's has, if you just have one (laughs) of those, you're gonna be so much better off. Now, Cody, you've given us so much great, great information. It's almost like just you and I are just chatting and people are getting the benefit of listening in at how you've done this. Now I wanna jump into the rapid fire round. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Awesome. So you should easily answer these. This first one, you're a little young for this question, uh, but we should never not think about this. So after 40 plus hours a week, Quitting that job, you know, 40 plus, 50, 60 hours. We have a little more time. Obviously, you and I are doers, so we have a little less time because we're always doing, but well, hopefully we can give back. Hopefully we can serve other people, but that eventually leads into a legacy. If you were to look back on your life, and not to be morbid, but if you have a tombstone, you know, your, your very end, you, have, you can engrave your own tombstone. This is what you need to remember, Cody Berman. Has. What would it be written on there?
1: Might be a long winded tombstone, but. I okay. The way I'll, I'll say it, I don't know if I can think in tombstone language right now. But I just want to—I want to influence or impact as many people as I can in whether it's a financial way, a health or physical fitness-related way, a mind and psychological way. Like I just want to help people get to the next level of their life in any of those capacities. I know that's very long-winded for my tombstone, but well, you could definitely works. concise that. But I completely <laughs> and that
0: also the, reminds me. I want to start a gym. You also.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was like, there's so many similarities. It's pretty awesome. Okay. So I agree. And we could definitely shore that up. But same thing for me. It's like how many people I can serve? How many people I can help? It just makes life so much better. Not just financially. Financially is great. But just inside, I feel so much better when I'm helping. When a student buys their first property, I'm like, man, that is so fantastic. You're making $300 a month. I want to be with you. That's awesome. Or when they finally quit their job because they have properties, it's just like, it's so rewarding. Okay. So the next question, aside from just getting started, because usually that's the easiest thing that we can give advice for somebody who wants to be like a Cody Berman what would you say would be a good advice other than just getting started that you would give to somebody that wants to do what you do?
1: Ask other people who are successful within your niche, how they did it, how they got there and learn from them, especially from their mistakes. Ask about their mistakes. (laughs) Talk to us about that. What do you mean by ask about or talk about their mistakes? Ask about what failed because likely if they're smart and they're someone who you admire, you're going to make very similar mistakes to them if you don't first learn what those mistakes are. So I always ask people that. Like I always ask like what their biggest business failures were. Like do they have any mistakes, anything they regret in their business? Because oftentimes those are the things you learn the most from. If someone's making a million dollars a year off their awesome blog or whatever – They probably had 10 failures before that that you'd you'd never hear them talk about unless you ask them specifically about that. But if you can bypass that crappy part where you're failing and you're not making money, then you can just get to the good part at the end where you are making money.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. Now, I'm going to add this to my question. Okay, Cody, what is your biggest failure?
1: Honestly, the biggest failure is probably all of the quote unquote strategic moves I tried making with the disc golf company. If I could go back and do it, like we just had way too much physical overhead. Like we were buying the steel molds and like we had them shipped over from China. Like all the stuff we didn't need to do, if I could go back and change that, although I'll say you learn way more from failures than you do from successes. And I know you definitely resonate with that as well. But man, if I could go back in time, I probably would have set up some like 50-50 partnership with some company that already had all the tooling, and then we'd just do some co-branding stuff, and it'd be a lot more lightweight, a lot more nimble. I'd be able to market and expand a lot faster. But it's all right. Like I'm, I'm not complaining at all. Like I learned so many things from that failure. But that's probably the biggest failure. It's just like all the not strategic moves we made in that business.
0: And there's a surprise. You partnering with somebody else, finding another way to partner with somebody. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so if you were to go back, no, yeah, actually, I'm gonna. Uh, Usually I ask this question when somebody's like 35, you know, 38. So, like, what's the advice you would give to your younger self? So you're 24 now, you're old. Now you go back to your younger self. What kind of advice would you give to yourself from the very beginning? Business,
1: life, whatever it might be. Don't doubt yourself because I used to have, especially when I first started creating content, definitely had imposter syndrome. And I'll be like, you know what? I'm not qualified to talk about this stuff with people. Like, I'm not good enough to tell these people how to do X, Y, or Z. And then I'll talk to my friends who are like, yeah, I just bought a new car and I have $10,000 in credit card debt. And I'm like, you know what? I am qualified to tell you guys stuff about personal finance. Like even if there are people that are better than you in your niche, which there's bound to be. there's There's better people than me in all of my niches. And I'm sure there's better people than you in all of the businesses you're in, Dustin. But like that doesn't mean we're not qualified to tell people about this stuff. So I always I've I really uh, fought imposter syndrome a little bit at the start. I was like, I don't think I should be telling these people this stuff. But yeah, so I tell my younger self like, don't doubt yourself. Start influencing. Start making content. Just go out and do it.
0: That's great because really what it comes down to is we're only limiting ourselves because of our doubts. So completely agree with that. Okay, so what is one app, one tool, it could be a patent paper, uh, you know, and a, and a pencil. So you write down like, what is something that you use in your life daily that we should implement into our lives?
1: Ooh. All right. Let's see. Let me look at my phone right now. I have my phone right next to me. I'm trying to think what app off the top of my head is the most useful Honestly, I might go. This is definitely a cop-out. Not really a cop-out, but I love the Reminders app on Apple. I'm I'm always using my Reminders app. It has saved me so many times. That I'm like, oh crap, I have this podcast coming up or oh crap, I need to go do this thing. And I set my Reminders out like, and I have them repeating you know, bi-weekly or yearly or whatever. I don't use any fancy apps for that. I know a lot of people like Todoist and all these other ones, but that reminders app does the trick for me. And it, it really helps me stay organized and stay on task. <laughs> That's perfect. It's simple. Um, so something you gotta, actually need to buy into. It's there. It's
0: just like, for me, the easiest one for me, that biggest tool is email. I literally email, email myself to do notes. Like even if it's going to Lowe's to buy a something, I'll email, email myself that. Cause it's a to-do list. Once I get it out, I'm like, good, I'm done. So I love that. Now, what is one nonfiction book that you would recommend
1: that all of us read? I love the book. This is outside of personal finance, but the book Sapiens made me look at life totally differently through the lens of just like human existence and how we've evolved. It was really, really interesting talking about the psychology of the homo sapien and just like, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed reading that book. It, it really changed my mindset. I've never heard of that. Do you know who the author is? It's Yuval Harari we'll definitely put <laughs> yeah. that in the show notes for everybody. Now, I uh, I wanted to
0: ask you before we we sign off, do you got a degree, correct? What are your thought what are your thoughts about college? Now that you you I mean you're post college after you know a couple years, you have all these businesses. It doesn't seem like you're ever going to need that diploma again. What are your thoughts about college?
1: So, what I can say is I really learned how to learn in college. Like I definitely I tried, I applied myself, I was a good student in college and Although I use probably 5% of the skills I learned, like the the tactical stuff, like the meat of finance economics, the one big takeaway is like learning how to learn. Like an, I'm a much faster learner now. I know how to block out stuff I don't need. I know how to really dive in and hone in on the things I do need to learn. But for someone, it really depends on what you want to do. Like there's a lot of majors where if I had a doctor operating on me and they didn't go to college, they just learned through like online courses. Hell no. I'm not getting (laughs) surgery from that person. (laughs) Absolutely not. But someone who wants to get into graphic design, you don't need to go to college, take a couple online courses and start doing it yourself. And you're going to crush it. If you want to be a writer, you don't need to go to college to become a writer. You can take online courses again, much, much cheaper than college. And you can get into a journaling business or you can do some freelance writing. So it it totally depends on what you want to do, but there's just like So much information, whether it's free or closer to free online, you can pay $30,000 for a degree. If you're spending $30,000 on courses, you better be a master by the end of those courses because that is a lot of courses. So yeah, I think you can just learn so many things. There are exceptions, like I mentioned before, like doctors, or you probably can't be a lawyer from just just learning stuff online. And obviously the trades are a little bit different, but you don't need to go to college for that. But yeah, I think it's a a case by case situation. But I think less people need to go to college than do go.
0: I wholeheartedly (laughs) agree. In fact, I'm teaching all of my kids how to make money outside of going to college. Like if they're gonna go to college, I'm gonna say, well, you're smart enough to go to college. You're smart enough to pay for it yourself. Go ahead Mm -hmm. and do that. Now, if you get a debt, if you get $100,000 in debt, I'm gonna say, just take that $100,000 in debt, buy two different rental properties and make you know four or five, six, $700 a month. Like there's just so many better ways. In fact, I, I have it right here. Let me grab this. So everybody watch it on YouTube. I literally have my diploma. Did I talk to you about this? Did I, did I tell you? Yes, yes. Yeah. That, yes. So, I mean, it's literally wood. It's embossed in wood, but I'm gonna blow it up. I, I still haven't done it yet. I need to make a video. I'm probably gonna shoot it with my like an AK-47 and, and eventually <laughs> blow it up and burn it because I will literally never need this thing again. I did learn, like you said, how to learn, which is fantastic, but this piece of paper. It's, it's, I don't know, $30,000, dollars $50,000 for this piece of paper, or it would now, but piece of paper that I'm literally never, ever going to need again. So um, I'm not saying it's not for everybody, but I just am dumbfounded at how expensive college has gotten. Tuition has just skyrocketed. It's so ridiculous how much it costs. It should not cost this much. And just think of, if you want to do something, I'll give you an example. If you want to invest in real estate, I have a course it costs $2,000 on my site. And if you bought one house in, I think uh, it's going to make $250 a month in passive income. In one year, you're going to have all that money back and you're not going to have thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. But if you think about how much money you spent on going to college, just like Cody just said, 30, 40, $50,000 going to college. My goodness, you spent all that money to get a piece of paper. Now you learned a lot, which is good, but you just got a piece of paper, hopefully you're going to get a job. So I'm going to get off my rant about college. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of college unless you're right, Cody. I don't want somebody that just got a piece of paper on like, you know, they, they, they went to, you know, paid, you know, 50 bucks and went to this dentist school or doctor school. Like, no, I, I would like to have somebody has a lot more education, but for normal people like us that are, you know, we just want to provide for our families man, college is It's way too expensive. Now, if college was literally like, Hey, $10,000 for four years, that's, that's all it's going to cost that's not bad. That's doable. Let's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's do that. But when it's 50, $60,000 oh, or more, it's just ridiculous. But man, Cody, you give us so much great stuff. I learned a ton. I, I, I want to be Cody when I grow up. That's, that's my goal. <laughs> so Cody, everybody wants to know how to get a hold of you, what they can do to, to either find you. I mean, they're going to actually be like, you know what? I want to email Cody. I wanna, I'm going to email him and see if he's going to let me work for him for free. But how can they reach <laughs> you? How can they listen to and know more about you?
1: Yeah. So I guess the first place I'll point people is my podcast, The Fi Show, since all of you guys are listening to this awesome podcast, Successfully Unemployed, but you can hit me up on any of those. Since we're kind of focused in the personal finance space here, probably best to either hit me up on my podcast or my blog. So the blog is Fly to Fi. Podcast is The Fi Show. But if you hit me up on any of my other businesses, that's fine too.
0: And everybody, I'm I'm actually going to go to the Financial Freedom Summit. I'm going to be there to support Cody and to be there. To, it, it, I'm just really super excited to to have that opportunity to be around. Um, and Grant also has been on the podcast as well, so he's another great guy. PT is going to be there. Really, really great people. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually jump past everybody and put this. Usually, this would come out after the um, uh, financial freedom summit, but I'm going to put it out before so that hopefully people can hear this and say, you know what? I'm going to go to the financial freedom summit. I'm going to meet Cody. I'm going to try to say, Hey Cody, can I come work for you for free? So that <laughs> I can be like you. I uh, man, I am super excited. Cody, you've been fantastic. You give us so much great information. Thank you so much for being on the successfully unemployed show.
1: Thanks for having me on, man. It's been a ton of fun being on the show and being successfully unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. You take care.
0: Well, I could continually listen and talk to Cody for a very, very long time. We went like, oh, basically over an hour and I still had so many more questions, but we had to wrap it up. Cody's a fantastic guy. His perspective on how to make money and how to partner with people, how to network and how to just get out of yourself and get out of your own comfort zone is so breathtaking that and it's, it's, it's such a relief for me to hear because most people don't do this. Most people don't realize that you can do this. You can work for free, but get paid so many other great ways than getting paid for that hour. Now, remember, get my best-selling book, How to Quit Your Job with Passive Income. Get it completely for free. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash free book. And I will also put that in the descriptions. You guys are fantastic. Thank you so much for being here with me. Hopefully you got so much out of this conversation just like I did with Cody seeing how to be successfully unemployed. Okay, you guys are fantastic. I will see you next time where I interview another fantastic business owner, investor, entrepreneur, side hustle expert and all those other different ways. So that you do not have to work a job And then we are giving you the ideas and teaching you how to do it as well. All right, guys, I'll see you next time.